Hello, I'm the host of Wild Podcast. My name is Darshan McAway. If you typically listen to this podcast on audio-only platforms, well, rest assured, there's a link in the description that takes you to the video format of this podcast interview. Now, let's get on with our special guest. Let's get right into it. Listen, a, a lot of times what gives me the uh, accreditation, if you will, Hello, I'm the host of Wild Podcast. My name is Darshan McAway. And it's going down like this. Big Red helps me around the house. My dream car happens to be a 13 Tundra. What's yours? Anything else you got to say? Any words of maybe encouragement or words of hope? Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Darshawn McAway, and we have a special guest today. We have Kelly Florence coming on. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. So I want you to, so you got a book out, it's called Travels of Terror, or is it a series? Which one is it? So the Travels of Terror is a travel book that's that's a standalone that's coming out this year. And then I have seven other books in a series called The Science of Horror. The Science of Horror. So are you going to talk about a specific one or you talk about the whole series? Which one are you which one, what do you want to do? Yeah, I think I'm, I'll touch on um, the, the series because uh, it, we started in 2019, my co-author and best friend and I, Meg Hofdahl, and now we have our seventh book in that series coming out. Okay, so how did you and Meg meet and how did the idea pop up to do a series? So we met over 20 years ago because we both love the X-Files, the TV show so much. And then we realized we have so much in common. We love the horror genre. We love talking about scary things. We started a podcast called Horror Rewind. And we realized every week we were talking about the real science, culture, history, lore behind our favorite scary movies. And it became a no-brainer that we should write some books about this. Okay, so I was looking in the description and it says that you two, you traveled across the world? Yeah, we've traveled across the country and we interview people. Uh, we talk to, we go to different sites and learn about, you know, the, the history of where our favorite stories were shot and where they were told and what inspired filmmakers and, and storytellers and writers to, to bring these things to the screen. So have you experienced any uh, paranormal activity on your end? You know, it's interesting because Meg and I, even though we love the horror genre, we weren't like big, we weren't skeptics, but we weren't big believers in anything supernatural. But for this travel book, we both experienced things that we've wrote about in the book and were absolutely terrifying. And now we believe. <laughs> right. I got you. So how long does it take you to put a book together? Like what's that process for you and Meg? Yeah, so the nice thing is, since there's two of us, we split up the work. And because we've been best friends and co-authors for so long, we pretty much share a voice. So we split the work evenly. We come together to edit to make sure it's one voice. Uh, but we've been writing, we wrote two books this year. So one every six months. And plus, Meg is a fiction author, and she's writing her own stuff. I'm doing my own stuff. And so we're, we're pretty busy. But our motto is we'd rather be busy than bored. I got you, got you. So what, what was the last place you two were uh, when you did your travels? What was that last spot? Yeah, well, the last spot I think that we traveled for the book was Athens, Ohio, which is where um, Ohio University is located. And we were, we were told that there was this old abandoned uh, asylum, basically, that you can still tour and that they're rehabilitating 
um, but that had just so many stories to tell. And we were thankful we got a tour of it and and were able to tell the stories of the people uh, who were were kept there and also now how they're changing that building for the better in the community. So what was the most intriguing horror story that you happened to come across? Something that stuck with you to this day? Yeah, I think in every city, what we strive to do is seek out small businesses or stories of people that no one has heard of before. And I think that in Athens, um, a woman that we met who is single-handedly, you know, with, a, of course, a group of people, but she is really advocating for let's turn this spooky place that people are want to do ghost tours of, let's turn it into something good for the community and for um, low income housing. And that really stood out to us that there are so many people doing a lot of good, even in these scary stories. I got you. So you guys been to Los Angeles, California, Portland, Oregon, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I mean, you guys have just been everywhere. So what's the next spot? Yeah, so we, uh, we actually have our, our next book proposal out yet. I don't think I can um, say what it is, but we'll be traveling again and uh, new spots all over the United States and it'll, there'll be something for everyone. Right. Right. So do you think that um, one day I can get you and Meg on to, you know, do a, a double interview, so to speak? Oh yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we've got two books coming up this year, so we'll be happy to come on and talk. So when you're not writing, what do you find yourself doing to like get away from the writing world? So, you know, I'm a full-time teacher, so I okay. teach, and that is really inspiring because students, I teach at uh, Lake Superior College in Duluth, Minnesota, and I have a lot of traditional students, but a lot of non-traditional ones as well, and I think I learn just as much from them as they learn from me, and so uh, teaching is is my uh, other full-time job, and uh, otherwise I love spending time with my family, friends, going for walks on our uh, beautiful lake here, Lake Superior. I got you. So I, I typically like to ask this question. Uh, what does your legacy look like or have you even thought about one? You know, I hope that I, through these books and through my job, I help teach and change the world. I believe in positivity and uh, believe in bringing joy to people, however that may be. So I hope that I continue to touch lives in whether it be through writing or through teaching. So at this point in your life, did you see yourself here or did you see yourself on another path? You know, I didn't expect this. I knew ever since I was little, I loved to write, but I didn't know that it could become a dream. And so I'm so grateful, so thankful that I've had this opportunity, especially to, to accomplish this with my best friend. It's been such a wonderful journey. So has there, has there been anything on your bucket list that you haven't got a chance to do just yet? Yeah, you know, so I think we're working towards it, but we would really love, we have started, we're writing uh, screenplays and some fictional things, and we'd love to see those come to fruition. Gotcha. Uh, you wouldn't happen to have a copy of the book on you by chance, would you? It's no, no because it's not out yet. The uh, Travels of Terror, though, it's coming out um, this fall. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I typically like to find out what's that writing process um, for you guys. Are you guys with a traditional publisher or did you self-publish? No, we are with a traditional publisher. For Travels of Terror, it's uh, a publisher called Sourcebooks. They're uh, a, an, um, under the umbrella of Penguin Random House, and they've just been so great to work with. The fun thing about this book, too, which is new for us, it's all illustrated, and so I, we can't wait for people to see all these drawings come to life. Got you. So can you, let's, let's step the, uh, the listeners through that process of going through a traditional publisher, because 
I, I went through a traditional publisher, I canceled my contract, and then I started self-publishing. How was that process for you, for uh, you and your friend? Yeah, so when we started, um, we didn't have any representation. We didn't have a literary agent. And so we were just querying publishers blindly with this first book. And we went with uh, the one that we felt like we were a good fit with, which was Skyhorse Publishing um, under the umbrella of Simon & Schuster. And then years later, we ended up getting a literary agent who is now pitching our books uh, other places. But we we just started on our own and made our, with nonfiction, of course, you write proposals first um, instead of the entire manuscript and then, you know, a sample chapter. And so that way we were able to know exactly what people were looking for and not to get ahead of ourselves and write everything and it's not going to be a good fit. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I was doing when I first got started. I was, uh, I pitched over 200, you know, publishers and I was trying to make all my synopsis, you know, nice and pristine and got picked up but then you know I looked through those contracts and the contracts really didn't make that much sense to me so after like a year or so I canceled my contract uh, pretty much bought myself out uh, so to speak and then I just started doing my own publishing companies and, and things like no, that so I like to, I like to tell the listeners you know how to go through that process a little bit it's a it's a daunting process for sure um, because you you know you always want people to to accept your manuscript but a lot of times they're looking for a certain category of, of writers. Right. And I think, you know, self-publishing works so well for so many people. And so I, I would never discourage anyone to do that. And I think if you are going with a traditional publisher, make sure that you find someone who's a good fit and believes in you and your voice, because there is so much. I mean, there is some editing and some constructive criticism you can take. But at the end of the day, it is your idea and your voice. And you don't want to lose that. Right. So let's talk about your literary agent, because this is something that a lot of writers typically kind of overlook is having a literary agent. How is how has that process been for you as well? Yeah, that's been great. It's been nice to have that person who, again, believes in us, advocates for us, handles all of the contract and uh, stuff and paperwork, who knows it. I mean, we go over it, too, but to have her say, hey, here's the things I think you sh we should change. What do you think? And then we can go over it with a fine tooth comb as well. That's been, that's lifted a lot of weight off of our shoulders in terms of all the legal things that, you know, we don't necessarily know about. Right, right. So are you, is your literary agent uh, in the process possibly? I'm trying to, I'm digging for some information. Uh, are, are she in the process of pitching it as a, as a movie or anything like that? Yeah, we've got, we've also got a TV uh, film right agent. And so we've got some things in the works. I'm so excited for you because, you know, having a literary agent, it does take a lot of weight off your shoulders, you know, yeah. and, and they, they come to you with ideas and they come to you with great proposals. And, you know, so I'm glad you're getting the opportunity, you and your friend are getting the opportunity to just jump on these things, because this is what a lot of writers, you know, they want that type of uh, commercial appeal, so to speak. Right. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because, of course, they have the inside scoop. They know what publishers are looking for. And, you know, we pitched um, six ideas a couple months ago. And she let us know the two that would definitely uh, be the best bet to pitch next to publishers because it's like, oh, that's oversaturated or they're not buying that right now. And we wouldn't know that just as people on the street. So it's nice to get that inside info. Right. So like one thing I would teach people on, on my podcast was the only hack I found to get around a literary agent was having a publicist. And right. the publicist, they're just as connected as well. I mean, it's, it's great to have both. 
But if you're on a certain type of budget or, you know, you know, overhead and stuff like that, I went with a publicist and, you know, my publicist, she helps me with a few things and uh, she brought some great opportunities my way, you know. So do you have oh, a absolutely. publicist as well? We do. And um, Mickey Mickelson through Creative Edge. And we love him because we've gotten to meet so many people, had so many great opportunities and even been able to be booked at uh, book festivals and conventions through him as well. So that's been really helpful because again, it's, it comes down to it. It sounds like a cliche, but it is all about networking and meeting people and making those connections. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is there anything, any website that you guys have, uh, social media, are you doing anything like that? Yeah. So our podcast is called Horror Rewind and we have our website and on all social media under that. And then also each of us have our own website. Mine is my name, kellyflorence.com. Meg's is hers, meghoftel.com. And we're on all the social medias, X, Instagram, um, TikTok, YouTube, you name it. So let me, t- let me ask you this about social media. Uh, so I'm, I'm 41 and to me, social media, I, I see the benefits of it, but I'm gonna be sincerely honest with you. It's such a headache for me. Because it's like you have to consistently keep on posting. How is it for you? Yeah, it is a full-time job. And that's something that we realized. And, you know, when we started doing this research, when we started our, our podcast now six years ago, everything has changed. It used to be you could post once or twice a week and that was enough. Now the algorithm is saying, you know, three to five times a day. And that's, that's a full-time job on its own to create that much content. So we just at this point in our lives, realistically, we post when we can, but we can't make it our sole focus because then when, when would we have time to write or do anything else? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I tried to get with TikTok. I just I just can't do it. And I see the benefits of it, but I'm, I have to hire somebody to do it because I just can't. And I don't know if I want to kick out that much content. I mean, I, I barely kick out that much content on, on my own podcast because I have a life and I'm trying to you know intertwine this into my life. But they're making it yeah. a full time job for people. They're keeping you in the loop for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've said that too, that if we want to be, if that, if we want our presence to grow that much, it's going to have to involve somebody else, you know, taking the reins on that because yeah, it's impossible to have a, a, a full-time job, be writing and, you know, have a family and, and keep your sanity all at the same time, trying to keep up with social media. So let me ask you this before I let you go in, in your classroom, uh, do your students get an opportunity to tell you a horror story? Oh yeah, we we talk about I I teach communicating arts, and so we talk about um, poor types of communication and ones that uh, go well. And everybody has such incredible life stories, and not necessarily you know traditional horror stories, but yeah, think scary stories. Well, Kelly, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I greatly appreciate you. It's nice to meet another fellow author. Uh, feel free to come back anytime if you want to, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This is Kelly Florence. She's the author of the Travel of Terror series, if I'm saying it correctly, I hope so. Yeah, and Science of Horror, yep. And Science of Horror as well. Kelly, thank you so much for coming by. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having me and nice to meet you. Thank you.